But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watch for my halting, saying, Preadventure that he will be, we, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. It's good to see everyone out this morning. As I mentioned earlier, we had a good number this morning. That's always good to see. Uh, very encouraging. But I wanted to talk about this subject because, you know, I think sometimes over the course of time, when we're dealing with something like this, that our fire starts to kind of go out. And there are times in our lives that we want fires to go out. I'm sure if you went home this afternoon and you saw smoke coming out of your house or opened the door and you saw smoke inside, <clears throat> if the fire department wasn't already there, you would go and call the, call the number and try to get them out there as soon as possible and hope that they got there in time that much damage wasn't done. There are other times where you may be burning leaves or doing something outside and you want to leave the property or you want to go in the house to go to bed and you make sure the fire is out because you realize that if you're not present, it can get out of control. And so you want to be safe and you want it to be safe. And so you put out the fire. But there are times when the fire goes out and we wish that it never went out. There are times that the fire goes out and it's not a good thing. In a marriage, I think that we see that fire burning when we first get married. And then sometimes over the course of time, there's things that happen, things are said, things are done that shouldn't have been done or you know, you could have gotten over a little easier if it had never happened in the first place. But over the course of time... The fire goes out. And when that happens, sometimes the marriage fails. And I'm sure that there are other times, like maybe there's a job that you want, a career that you have been pursuing for a while. You went to school to get your degree in that field so that you would be qualified and ready, and then you saw the ad for the, for the job, and you said, I want that job. And you go for it, and you, you interview, and you get the job. And then after a certain amount of time, you're all, you know, you're all enthused when you start, but after a certain amount of time, that fire starts to go out. And you start to do just what's necessary in order to get by. You remember the time when you obeyed the Gospel? The fire was burning inside. You were thrilled that you obeyed the Gospel. You're like the Ethiopian eunuch who after he was baptized, the Bible says he went on his way rejoicing. And you had that joy in your heart. And you wanted to tell other people about that good news that you had heard. And you wanted to live that faithful life. But then over the course of time, that fire has kind of faded away. And over the course of time, you settled into only giving God what you had to. And the fire went out. In these cases, we would love to have the fire back. That marriage that has kind of dwindled away, you would love to have that fire back. That passion that you had in that job when you first started it, you would like to have it back. And most certainly as a Christian, when that fire starts to dwindle, 
you want to get the fire back. And there may be times in our lives where we get discouraged and we look back and say, where did the fire go? And so today I want to talk about what can cause the fire to go out. Because we're looking at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was one of the prophets known as the weeping prophet, and he did not have good news for Judah. In fact, everything that he pretty much told them was bad. And they didn't want to hear him, and they laughed at him, and they made fun of him, and they ridiculed him. And here we are looking at these verses that we're searching for, or searching, looking at today, and we can see where he comes very close to blaspheming God. That's how bad it had gotten. But what took place to cause that to happen? I believe it's the same thing that can happen to us. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 7, one of the first things that we learn that can make the fire go out is when we think that we've been lied to. And in verse 7, Jeremiah says, O Lord, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. In other words, he's saying, God, You lied to me. You didn't tell me the whole story. I was called to be a prophet. When I was called to be a prophet, I thought that You would protect me and take care of me. And I believe that that's true of us. That God will protect us and take care of us. But He does not tell us that the road from here to the judgment is not going to be without some difficulties. That there's not going to be trials. That there are going to be people that are opposed to us. There are going to be people that do not like us simply because we are a Christian. And there were people in Jeremiah's day that did not want to repent. They did not want to change. And Jeremiah is saying, you deceived me into serving you and I wish I could say nothing. I wish that I could be quiet. I wish that I could shut my mouth and not say a word and just let the fire go out. Think about it. It's hard to keep the fire going when you think that you've been lied to. A husband and wife may have a hard time keeping the fire going if they know that one that their spouse is lying to them about something. It may be hard to keep that marriage on fire. It may be hard to keep it going if you know that your husband or your wife is not being truthful about something that they need to be truthful about. That young couple that's been dating and one suspects the other of lying, what usually happens to that relationship? It dissolves. Why? Because you don't trust that person anymore. And the same is true in the workplace. If you're an employer or an employee, in either one of those situations, when one or the other starts to lie, it can be detrimental to that relationship. Why? Because if they're working for you, you want them to tell the truth. And if you're working for them, they want you to tell the truth. And it takes the fire out when people feel that they've been lied to. And so I ask you, what about in our Christian life? Do we feel that we've been lied to? The Bible tells us that we will follow, or that if we follow Him, that we will be blessed. Do we believe that God is blessing us? Do we feel that, well, you said if I follow you, all these good things are going to happen? In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto me, or unto you. And so, 
We put God first in our life, but yet we struggle. We put God first in our lives, and yet bad things happen to us. We put God first in our lives, and it's just difficult sometimes to live the Christian life. Didn't you promise me that if I put you first, that I would be blessed? What about when Jesus tells us that He came to give life and give it more abundantly? As a Christian, do we look at our lives and see that abundant life, that abundant living taking place? Or are we just like everybody else that's out there in the world? We just survive. We're just getting by. What's different about us? You promised us good. Have we been deceived? What about that Scripture that talks about the peace that passeth all understanding? Have you lied to me? Because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of peace in my life. And then we read where we're going to have joy unspeakable. Do we have that joy unspeakable? One thing that I've learned about a fire is that if you want the fire to keep going, you have to keep feeding that fire. I've sat around several campfires all my, over the course of my life, and one of the things that I've noticed is that if you don't keep putting wood on the fire, it's going to go out. And so you keep putting fire or wood on the fire so it keeps going. And that's the problem in our Christian life sometimes is that we feel like we're lied, but we've been lied to, but it's because we haven't been putting the wood on the fire. We haven't been doing what we need to do as individuals to keep that fire burning in our lives. And so it's important that we live like we're supposed to live. Sometimes that's why we don't have the peace that passeth all understanding, because we get ourselves involved in situations that we should not be in. We're doing things that we should not be doing. We're saying things we shouldn't say. And sometimes we don't feel blessed because we know that we're not living for God. We look out there and we see all the things that everybody else has, and we say, oh, I don't have those things. Maybe we're blessed to not have those things. Have you ever thought about it? Because look where they're at. And look where you're at. Have we been lied to? Second point is the fire goes out sometimes if I think that I'm being forced to do something that I don't want to do. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. Jeremiah said, Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. In other words, what he's saying is, God, you're stronger than me. You've made me do these things, and I don't really want to do those things. Do we ever have that attitude in our lives where we feel that God's making us do things that we don't want to do or someone else is making us do something that we don't want to do? Have you ever been forced to do something that you did not want to do and it just takes the enjoyment out of it? You're not doing it because you want to but because you have to. And many times when that happens, resentment begins to build. Because you're in a situation you don't want to be in. 
does not take a whole lot of force to to put the fire out. Jeremiah, his complaint against God was that he found himself forced to be God's messenger. He resents being forced to be God's messenger, but he probably would not have done it if God did not overpower him and prevail. Jeremiah's at a crossroads here. Sometimes when we look at these prophets and we say, oh, they're the prophets of God, and we don't see the struggles that they have. But sometimes they had the same struggles that you and I have. And how many times are we doing something not because we want to, but we want to impress someone else. We want someone else to be happy. Not, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to be happy, but somebody calls you up and says, let's go visit. Well, I don't want to go. I'm going to go. You're going to stomp your feet all the way there. How many of us are forced to do what we don't want to do? I think that we can see in different examples that sometimes people don't serve because they want to. Nor do they serve because they love God. But they serve because they have to. What will my parents think if I'm not here? What will my children think if I'm not here? And so I come for them. I don't really come because I want to. I come because brother, sister, so-and-so is going to call me and I don't want to hear about that. I don't want them to talk to me. And so I just come. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 17, Paul says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Think about what Paul's saying. He goes on and talks about uh, doing it against his will. But there we realize the importance of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, where he talks about our motivation should be by love. It should be because of our love for God. That we can do a lot of great things, but yet if we're not doing it for the right reason, there is no reward. And in fact, if I'm doing something to be seen of my parents or be seen of my children or to be seen of brother and sister so-and-so, then I have my reward. That's the reward. And so I have to be motivated in the right way. It goes on, it goes on in another place, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Every man according as he is purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That's not just talking about our money, even though money would be included in that. It's talking about our time, our energy, our talent, everything that we have that we can give, we have to give willingly. Not because we have to. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41. And whoso shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that shall, would borrow of thee, turn not away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. <clears throat> and if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? 
And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What's he saying? He's saying go that second mile. We call that sometimes that second mile religion. Don't just do what you absolutely have to do. Go beyond that. And I've read and I've heard preachers talk about back in the day that Jerusalem was marked off by mile increments so that when a Roman soldier went up to someone and said, you can carry my gear, they carried that one mile and that's all that legally they were required to carry it. And so what they would do is that they would pick that thing up and they would carry it and at the end of that mile, they would drop it on the ground and say, there you go, it's yours. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Go that extra mile. Do the good. And you're going to make an impression on those individuals that are occupiers at that particular time. But He goes on and gets even more specific that we are to pray for those that are our enemies, those that hate us, those that curse us, those that do things to us. How many of us pray for those individuals? You see, it's easy to greet. It's easy to pray for people that we like. People that are good to us. People that are nice to us. People that are kind to us. It's hard to be good to people that hate us. To people that curse us. To people that persecute us. But that's exactly what Jesus says that we are to do. Why? Why should we do that? So we can be like our Heavenly Father who sends the sun and the rain on the just and the unjust and the good and the evil. Was Jesus forced to die on the cross for our sins? Or did He do it willingly? We sing a song in our songbook, He could have called 10,000 angels. Jesus even made a statement to that effect. And those angels would deliver Him. But what does the Bible say? In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Why? To do his Father's will. Why? Because he loved us. Why? Because he set an example for us. And he willingly did everything that he did. What else causes the fire to go out? Sometimes the fire goes out if we meet enough resistance. Jeremiah had been meeting a great deal of resistance. Where he says in verse 7, I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. The English Standard Version says, I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. I believe in Jeremiah's day that he was probably being very truthful. There are times in our lives where someone may say something negative to us. Someone may laugh at us. And that one individual that does that, sometimes we have a tendency to say, everybody's laughed at me. Everybody's making fun of me. Everybody's mocked me. I don't believe Jeremiah was exaggerating that. The people did not want to hear his message. Brother, now's the time... of the year where we have barbecues. That's the season starting up. And it's kind of hard with a gas grill, but if you have a charcoal grill, try this little experiment. You take one of those hot coals 
And you push it off to the side and you can cover it up with the cooler ashes that have already burned. And what do you think happens to that hot coal when it is still close but covered up with those cold ashes? That hot fire starts to go out. That red hot coal will start to diminish. And it won't have that fire any longer. It loses its heat. Well, then, if you take a Christian on fire for the Lord and you put him in a church where people just are going through the motions, he or she will lose their fire before too long. Jeremiah says, I have lost some of my fire. The people don't want to hear the message that I'm preaching. You see, I know it's hard enough to preach. But it's even harder when people don't want to hear it. It's even harder when people you can see their mind is somewhere else. It's hard to preach. But you still have to preach the Gospel. You still have to preach the truth. Whether people want to hear it or they don't want to hear it. It's God's Word. And that's the problem with Jeremiah. He knew that he had God's Word and he couldn't keep quiet. He had to preach it. You can take a marriage where one of the partners is unloving and unattending or uninterested, and it's not going to be long before the fire goes out of that marriage. The same is true in our Christian life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, beginning, that ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're part of that light. Each one of us needs to let our light shine. And Jesus gives that illustration. You put that light on the end of a candle and you hold that candle up. Why? So that that light spreads out. You see, the light of the Gospel gives people hope. And people today need hope. But are we letting that light shine? I remember years ago, a ferry boat, I think it was a ferry boat, tipped over somewhere around India. And there was a man on that boat who somehow was able to build, make him a life preserver. I think it was out of his pants. But he saw a light way off in the distance and it was miles away. But that light gave him hope. And he struggled and he swam until he got to a point where he was rescued. Other people drowned. They just gave up. They weren't going to do it. They couldn't fight that long. They couldn't struggle that long. But he was willing because he saw that light. That light gave him hope. Brethren, we're that light in a dark world. We're the only gospel that some people are going to see. Don't let the fire go out in your life. Don't let the fire go out. Next point is this. Fire goes out if I begin to question what has gotten me to this point in the first place. Jeremiah 20 and verse 7, the entire verse says, O Lord, Thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. What's he saying? You weren't truthful. 
You overpowered me. Now I'm ridiculed all day. And everyone's mocking me. How did I get into this situation? The young couple that's having marital problems, and one of them starts thinking about themselves, asking, how did I get myself in this situation? Did I really marry because of love? Or did I get married just to get away from my parents' home? Did I get married so I could be out on my own? I really didn't. I really don't love that individual. And when you start to ask those kind of questions, it won't be long until the fire's out. You show me a Christian who goes back week after week and month after month questioning their salvation, and I'll show you a Christian who's allowed the fire to go out. You see, the devil would love for you and me to question our foundation. Why did we obey the Gospel? And I think that we need to go back and ask ourselves, why did we obey the Gospel? To help fan the flame. To be reminded of why we did what we did ever how long ago it was. You see, the devil knows that if he can get us to question our foundation, that he knows he can put the fire out. And I think that that's what he was doing in the wilderness with Jesus when He was tempted. When He said He knew Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and Jesus was hungry, what does it say? If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You see, Satan is questioning the relationship that Jesus has with His Father. Why are you hungry? You're the Son of God. You can make these stones bread. There's no reason for you to suffer. Wanting to question His foundation. There have been many preachers who started out with a fire in their bones. They wanted to serve. But it's not long before they start to question why they made the decision that they made to be a preacher of the Gospel. Sometimes preachers leave the pulpit because of the things that's gone on around them, the things that they've seen. When we start to question why we were why we we're doing what we're doing, it's easy for us to lose our foundation. Jeremiah was starting to question his purpose in doing what God wanted him to do. The fire will go out if we're not willing to pay the price or the cost to keep the fire going. Jeremiah 20 and verse 10, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watch for my halting, saying, Preadventure he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. What's he saying? He's saying all my friends are waiting for me to slip up. Waiting for me to make a mistake. Perhaps if he does, then we can take our revenge on him. Have you ever been in a situation as a Christian where the people that you work with or the people that you're around 
are just waiting for you to make a mistake, doing something that a Christian shouldn't do, saying something that a Christian shouldn't say, going somewhere that a Christian shouldn't go to. You see, I've come to the conclusion that the world has a standard for Christians. <clears throat> they know what Christians are supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. But yet, you got some that are out there that are just waiting for you to slip up so that they can disregard everything that you've ever stood for and stand for. That was Jeremiah's problem. There's always a price to keep the fire going. Jeremiah says, for me to keep the fire going, I have to expect my friends are going to leave me. I've known many people, several people, that have obeyed the Gospel and their friends that they had don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. In some cases, it's even their family that don't want to have anything to do with them. And so there's a price that we pay. It's like the it's like the campfire. When you're sitting around it, you don't want it to go out. You got to go over to the log pile. You got to get some more logs, and you got to put them on the flame. <clears throat> there's a price to be paid. And the same is true in living the Christian life. We have to put pay the price. Luke chapter 14, verses 27 through 30, tells us or shows us that the fire goes out if we're not willing to pay the cost. Because <clears throat> what does it say in those verses? Beginning in verse 27, and whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. Stop right there for a moment. Does not bear his cross. That doesn't sound like it's a luxury trip that we're going on in this Christian life. The cross isn't something that's easy to carry. But Jesus is telling us there that there's a price that's going to be paid. If you're going to follow Him, then you have to be able to bear that cross. And then He goes on, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it, Thus happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great ways off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace." So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsake not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So here we have Jesus telling us that we have to bear a cross. And then in the middle of what he says, he, or after that, he says, count the cost. I want you to follow me, but I want you to realize there's a price that has to be paid. There's something that it's going to cost you. It's not going to be an easy ride. It's not going to be something that you know everybody's going to flock to because there's a cross involved. And then he tells us in conclusion there, verse 33, that that price is forsaking all. He has to be first. And so the fire can go out if we're not willing to pay the price. 
Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, we learn there that there are two choices when the fire is about to go out. Verse 9, he says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. We learn two things from that passage of Scripture. Two things. And those two things are this. We can either let the fire die, or we can rekindle the flame. That's the choice that we have, and Jeremiah had that choice. He could have shut up. He didn't have to speak. But there was a fire inside that he couldn't put out. Brethren, do we have that fire in us? Is it in our bones that we can't keep quiet about the Word of God? That we can't stop doing what God wants us to do? Is that fire in your life? Or has the flame gone out? That's the choice that we have. And that was the choice of Jeremiah and we're thankful that he decided to rekindle the flame. He wasn't going to let it go out. We don't want to let the fire go out either. Someone that's not a Christian, what they need to do in order to be saved is do what Jesus said we have to do. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if we want our sins washed away, we have to be obedient to His will. And baptism is what washes away our sin through by, by applying the blood of Jesus Christ in that process. That's Jesus' plan. That was what the apostles taught, and that's what we must do today. And so you want that fire to burn, and when you start, when you start living that Christian life, when you obey the gospel, it's easy to be like the Ethiopian eunuch and go on your way rejoicing. You can have that joy in your heart, but don't let the fire go out. You know, there's going to be hardships. There's going to be people that claim to be Christians that aren't living like they're supposed to. They're going to say things and do things that you're not going to appreciate. The world still has people in it that hate Christians. They're always going to be there. But we have to forsake everything in order to follow Him. The question is, are you willing to pay that price? As a Christian, you have that opportunity to live that faithful life to Him and rekindle that flame if it's starting to go out. But don't wait till it's all the way out. Do something today. And so if you need to respond to the invitation, please do so while we stand and sing.